King Josiah, as a matter of fact. He was about uh, 16th or 17th in line in terms of the kings of, of Israel. King Josiah was really the last best thing that had ever happened to Israel. It was uh, after Josiah that the whole country went in decline and then went into, into exile. King Josiah had an unremarkable father. His father, King Ammon, was not interested in, in serving God. He was interested in one thing, and that was just the status quo. Don't, don't ruffle my feathers. Don't make me uncomfortable. Don't ask me to change things. I just want to carry on. I just want to be the king. I just uh, want to enjoy the luxuries. King Ammon was pagan in his worship. He had no interest or desire for God. And King Ammon was assassinated when Josiah was just eight years old. And so here's a little eight-year-old boy ascending to the throne. He became a king at age eight. And by the time he was age 15, he began to seek after the God of his forefather, David. Now, last week, Dennis spoke about David, the boy who became Israel's greatest king. David was known as a man after God's own heart, truly the greatest king of, of Israel. And it was this king that Josiah, the young boy, looked to. It wasn't his father. Even though his father was tragically murdered, assassinated, it wasn't to his father that he looked to as an example. He looked to King David. And he said, I want to be like that. I want to be a man after God's own heart. And so here's this 15-year-old boy who says, I want to, I want to follow David, not Ammon. Now I just want to say this to this older generation. There's a younger generation looking to you. It's dark in here and I can't see who I'm looking at, so don't anybody think I'm picking you out here. But there's a younger generation that's looking for godly people. Godly, a godly older generation who can set for them an example of godliness. Of service, a willingness to please God. At age 19, he took, undertook reforms to stop idol worship and the evils associated with it. Literally traveled throughout the land, closing down these idols. In fact, digging up the bones of priests who, who led Israel in this pagan worship and he had burned their bones so that nobody would, would use their bones as part of the disgusting ancient worship. At age 25, Josiah decided he wanted to rebuild the temple. The temple had gone into such terrible uh, state. It hadn't been worked on for a hundred years. So Josiah got himself together a workforce who began build, rebuilding the temple, straightening it out, fixing it out. And while they were working on the temple, you'll never believe what happened. They found a Bible. The workers dug out that, that Bible... And that in those days, it was the first five books of the Bible as we know it today. They brought it to the high priest who brought it to Josiah's secretary. And the secretary brought it to Josiah. Josiah sat down, began to read it. And he was suddenly filled with great remorse and sorrow and fear because he recognized that his people were in no way fulfilling the commands of God. And so you know what he did? He tore his robe and he cried out to God for mercy. And he began what we call Josiah's Revival. 
he assembled everybody, all the Israelites that were not in captivity at that time. He assembled them all together in Jerusalem. And he, he actually had them sit down. Now, here's a church service, people. He had them all sit down. He read all five books of the Bible to them. Anybody here willing to sit and listen to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy? That's what he did. He sat down and read it all to them. And when after everybody had heard the, the Bible read to them, Josiah gave them an opportunity to make a pledge, a covenant, to serve God. And that's just what the people did. And after Josiah had the people recommit their hearts and their lives to God, he began a tour of Judah and Israel. You see, Israel had been separated, had been split because of the sin of Solomon. It was separated into two kingdoms, the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel. And Josiah traveled throughout Judah and Israel, destroying the shrines and the false worship and putting to death those priests that were leading people in the wrong way. You say, wow, that's, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty extreme, isn't it? Well, let me just tell you, you know what they were doing at these pagan sites? These are God's chosen people who turned away from God and were worshiping God and or worshiping the gods of the pagans. You know what they were doing? They were making human sacrifices, people. Sacrificing humans to these false gods. And they had prostitutes in the temples and the people would come together with these prostitutes. And that was part of their evil worship. And Josiah stood up, stood by watching this and said, I can't stay and stand it anymore. And he came in and he closed them down and he put to death those who were leading his people astray. And then you know what he did? He led the people in the Passover feast. Now please understand something for the Jewish people. The most important feast, the most important celebration of the year was the Passover feast. That's when Israel remembers how God delivered the children of Israel out of the hands of Pharaoh. Remember that? And when they celebrate that Passover, they remember God's deliverance. In fact, that Passover feast, my friends, looks to the future when Jesus became the Passover lamb, the sacrifice lamb for our sins. And Josiah led his people in a celebration of the Passover, unlike anything that had ever been seen in 400 years, not since Samuel had the people of Israel experienced such a Passover feast. This, my friends, all by the age of 25. I want us to, to stop and consider for a moment Josiah. An incredible man whose desire and longing and love for God led him to clean up his country, to make a difference in his country. Let's look at the text from Second Chronicles 34, 1-3. And this is what it says. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. In his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles, carved idols, and cast images. We're going to look at this passage this morning and learn something from Josiah about what it means to be a real hero. What it means to really make a difference in this world. 
You see, most of us are sitting back and just watching our society going to hell in a handbasket, doing nothing about it. Josiah said, what can I do? I'm not going to sit by idly. I'm going to make a difference in my world. I'm going to make a difference in my community. And so let's take a look at this. Josiah followed David's example. What was David's great example? First of all, David sought God. And so that's what Josiah did. He chose to seek God. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, while he was still young, he began to seek God, the God of David. Just 15 or 16 years of age. And here's a guy that's on fire for God. Now, what do most young people do at ages 15 and 16? They don't want to be bothered with God. They don't want to be bothered with church. Wait till I'm a little older. Wait till I'm my grandparents' age or my parents' age. Wait till they become old, like an old fuddy-duddy. Then I'll become a Christian. Then I'll start serving God. No, at age 15 and 16, he couldn't wait. He couldn't delay. I want to tell you this, my friends. The beginning of being a real hero is very simple. You just have to start seeking God. And that's exactly what we find Josiah doing. He, he begins his great heroism by simply seeking God. You know what I said to my daughter? She's getting a little older now. And she's, uh, what, 10 years old. And uh, she's getting to that age now where soon she'll be maybe thinking of... Uh, being somebody else's little girl. And so I'm, uh, I'm training her and I'm teaching her what she should look for. You know what I said to Sarah? I said, when the day comes that she looks for the man that she will marry, he should be a man who loves God more than her. He should be a man who puts God first in all things. He must be a man who seeks first the kingdom of God. I said, Sarah, don't have... Anything to do with any boy. He doesn't put God number one. Don't give him the time of day. Don't listen to him. Don't talk to him. Be friendly. Be kind. Be nice. But don't even consider any kind of a relationship with him. The boy you are going to marry is a boy who loves God more than anything or anyone else. Every hero in Scripture and in church history, both ancient and modern history. I want you to recognize this, had a deep relationship with God. Whether it was Augustine or Mother Teresa, or David Livingston, Billy Graham, William Wilberforce, what's the thing that's a common denominator? My friends, I'll tell you what it is, is that they put God first. They sought God. They wanted to know God. They wanted God in their life. Even Jesus, listen to me, even Jesus had in his heart to seek God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. And here we find Jesus' parents looking for him. They took him to the feast in Jerusalem. They're looking for him. Where is their son? You know where he is? At age 12, he's at the temple. He's at the temple. About his father's business, he can't get enough. He's hungry for God. He seeks God with all his heart. This becomes the pattern for Jesus' life. And we see Jesus beginning his ministry. And what do we find Jesus doing, my friends? He's constantly going to a solitary place to seek God. To pray. 
Maybe you're here this morning. It's been some time since you've had any time in prayer, any time in the word. And you feel like your life is is going nowhere. Maybe you feel even a little bit depressed. Your life is is not what you thought it would be or what it should be. Young people, maybe you feel that you've you've been backsliding and your life is not where it needs to be spiritually. I can tell you that that can be changed in a moment. It can be changed today. All you got to do is pick up your Bible, get on your knees and seek the face of God. And you will find yourself instantly back on track. You'll find yourself instantly restored. You'll find that passion and that desire and that longing for God filling your heart to overflowing. I'm telling you folks, all it takes is a longing, a desire to seek the face of God. And you will find yourself changed. Josiah, while he was still young, began to see God. How many know you don't have to wait till you're you got gray hair. You don't have to wait till you have children. You don't have to wait until you retire. You can start now and you can begin to have a rich relationship with God. Even as Josiah did. Josiah the hero turned his country around because he began to see God at a young age. Listen to me. We have another generation that's coming up. Another generation that can make us or break us as a country. And I want to encourage our young people. Get serious about saying, God, here am I, use me. Those of you of the older generation, don't you want to see a younger generation on fire for God that will turn this country around? Folks, we're not getting better, we're getting worse. How many know that? Did you hear the horrific slaying outside of Portage the Prairie? Who would have believed that we would hear such things in our country? But it's come to our shores and we're experiencing the horrors that you only read about in other countries. But it's come here. And we need a younger generation who will rise up and say, Here, my God, use me to turn the tide in this country. The second thing we recognize that Josiah did is, Second Chronicles 34, verse 2, is that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He satisfied God. That was his desire, was to seek God and was to satisfy God. Now, let me tell you something. There's a huge difference between seeking God and satisfying God. How many know that? I have people tell me all the time, you know what? Uh, I have great hope because I'm sure that he believes in God. I'm going to tell you, the Bible says that the devil believes in God and trembles. It's not enough just to believe in God. You've got to satisfy God. You've got to do what God wants you to do. There's a verb here. It says, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. You have to actively do what God wants you to do. It's not just enough to read about God or to know about God or to listen to sermons about God or read books about God. You've got to do what God wants you to do. And that's what Josiah did. He did what God wanted him to do. It's not enough just to show up for church on Sunday. Not enough to stand up and sing the songs. It's not enough just to carry a Bible under your arms. It's not enough to say, I'm a Christian. I said the sinner's prayer. You've got to do what is right in the eyes of God. This is what satisfies God. This is what brings the blessing of God in your life. Please understand this today. It's not enough just to sit there and say, well, I belong to the youth group. I belong to Cross Church. I've got my King James Bible. 
And I, I, it's a reference Bible, and it's a study Bible, and it's a, got a concordance in the back of it. I don't care what kind of Bible helps or how many books you've got on your library shelf. The way to please God is to do what is right in the eyes of God. There's a lot, how many know there's a lot of pagans that go to church? How many know that? How many know there's a lot of people that go to church are not Christian? Anybody know that? How many know there's a lot of people that go to church who say they're Christians, but they're not? You say, Pastor, you're coming awful close to judging people. Listen, I'm not judging anybody this morning. I'm just telling you what the facts are. You've got to do what is right in the eyes of God if you're going to truly follow God. There's lots of people that know about Him, but not a lot of people who please Him. Now listen to me. Josiah might have had a very different life. Think of it for a minute. His father was a king, and now he's a king. What kid at age eight wouldn't love to be a king? You've got servants waiting on you. Whatever you want, you can have it. Snap your fingers and you get what you want. Think about that. Josiah was in a position where, man, he could have satisfied himself in ways that you and I couldn't even imagine. He had far more, far more, uh, freedoms than the royal family, British royal family has today. And he's got four more, far more powers than the British royal family has today. He could have done as he pleased. He could have just said, you know what, my dad never rocked the boat. My dad just kept the status quo. I'm going to do the same. After all, all the kings before him were, not since, not since King David was anybody as, as strong and mature and godly. So maybe I'll just, I'll just continue on with the status quo. Some of you are sitting here today and you've been tempted. The devil has blinded your eyes and made you to believe that you can just carry on in the status quo. I don't need, I'm not going to get too spiritual. I'm not going to get too religious. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get, get too radical. I don't want to be too fanatical. Listen, God's calling you back on track. He's calling you to, to get serious about serving Him. He's, he's getting, He's calling you to, to run away from the status quo, my friends. Run away from business as usual and get serious about serving God with all your heart. Josiah could have said, why should I be different? Have you ever thought that? Why should I be different? Why not just be like my parents? Why should I, why should I change? I mean, the job of being a king is a tough job. I mean, I should be cut some slack. Why should I, why should I break my head? Why should I break my back? I'll let, I'll let the, I'll let the priests take care of this. I'll let the high priest take, I'll let the, the scribes, I'll let the fair, I'll let the, I'll let everybody else take care of it. But why should I? And you can think of some good reasons why you should just carry on status quo. Carry on as you are. But my friends, listen to me. You remember the day when you were on fire for God, when you were leading people to Jesus, when you were experiencing miracles in your life. You remember the day when you had joy in your heart and you were excited about being a Christian. Don't you desire that again? Don't you long for that again? I tell you this morning, God's calling you to show up for, show up for duty. To be like Josiah and do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. If Josiah were lazy, he might have continued in his father's footsteps, but he refused to. He refused to. He would rather satisfy God than enjoy the power and the position and the luxuries of the kingdom. My friends, here's a little paradox for you. You can never satisfy your, yourself. But listen to this. When you satisfy God then you will be satisfied. When you seek to satisfy yourself, it will, it will elude you. You'll never feel happy. 
You will never feel joy in your heart. You will never be, you'll never have the joy of life or the joy of living. But the minute you decide to satisfy God, to do what is right in the sight of God, you will find such a joy and a happiness fill your heart. The depression will lift from you and the sunshine of God's love will break through. And you will get up in the morning with a spring in your step and a song in your lips and a, and a, a tune to, that you'll be whistling and people will wonder, what's the matter with you? What are you up to? But my friends, that's what happens when you decide to satisfy God. When you decide to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. How do we, how do we satisfy God? Some of you are sitting here to say, Pastor, I want to satisfy God, but I have no, no, I have no way of knowing. In fact, I feel like God is mad at me today. I'm telling you, my friends, God's not mad at you today. He loves you and He's calling you to Himself. And He wants to show you how to satisfy Him. And I can tell you in two words. How to satisfy God. Number one, conscience. Number two, Bible. You know your conscience tells you when you're doing things you shouldn't be doing or saying things you shouldn't be saying or thinking things you shouldn't be thinking or watching things you shouldn't be watching. You know your conscience is pricking your heart and you know that you're doing wrong. God gave you that conscience and He wants you to use it. (laughs) But more than that, you need the Word of God. And you have one. And if you don't have a Bible today, you come talk to me after the service. I'm going to get you a Bible immediately. I've got some sitting in my cupboard waiting to give to you. Your conscience and your Bible will tell you what to do. By the way, satisfying God is something that you do. You want to satisfy God? It's something that you do. The third thing you need to do is you need to serve God. Look what it says in 2 Chronicles 34, verse 3. In his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah. This is Josiah doing this. He's just a young guy, 26 years old. He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles, carved idols, and cast images. Josiah was in a position to effect change. He was not afraid to come up against anybody. People twice his age. He was not afraid to come up. Maybe he was too young to know to know better. That's the thing I love about being a youth pastor. There is a group of young people so on fire for God. There's a group of young people. They didn't care what people thought. They were idealistic, and if God said it, we're going to do it. That was their that was their approach to Christianity. I love that. And so here's Josiah. God says it. I'm going to do it. He didn't think about what anybody was going to say about him. He didn't worry about people talking about him behind his back. How many people are afraid that people are going to say nasty things about you if you become too vocal about your Christianity? What's happened to us? We used to be a people who were on fire for God. You go back a hundred years to the beginning of the Pentecostal movement. Here are people who not only loved and desired and hungered after God. Here were people whose desire was to satisfy God and to serve God doing God's work. And my, the power of God was poured out. We had churches planted in this country from, from BC right to Newfoundland and right up, right up to Northwest Territories. Churches were rising up in just amazing numbers because people wanted to serve God. What's happened to us? We just embrace the status quo. Pastor, don't, don't ask me to do too much. If I come to church on Sunday, Pastor, you should be, you should count yourself lucky. Listen to my, if you've come here to church today for my sake, 
then go home. You're wasting your time. You What you need to do is you need to be here to serve God, not serve me. You need to be here to say, God, here am I, use me. We're sending Felicia to Zambia. She leaves this week as well. Felicia's saying, I'm not trained. I haven't gone to seminary. I'm not trained to preach the Bible. But such as I have, I give to the Lord. And you heard her testimony. She's trained to to do drama, to do directing. And so she says to Sergio and Nancy Bersaglio in Zambia, can you use it? And Sergio says, hmm, sure, come on down. And so off she goes to Zambia. Who's Sergio and Nancy Bersaglio? Some of you may remember that he was the, he's our contact in Zambia when we raised all, all of that money to build the orphanages and the schoolrooms. Sergio, he wasn't, he didn't go to Bible school. He didn't, he didn't get a, a degree in sem, from seminary. He didn't get any special theological training. Although he tells me that the assemblies is after him all the time to go and get his, his Bible training certificate. You know how he ended up on the mission field? He said, I can do construction. God, can you use me? And so he went on a missions trip with his wife. And while he was there, he quickly recognized that there was so much that he could do. And next thing you know, they've asked Sergio to give leadership to the Village of Hope in Kitwe, Zambia. Here, my Lord, use me. Here, my God, I'll show up for service. I'll do whatever needs to be done. Are you willing to do that today? That's what Josiah did. He said, God, here am I. I'm going to use whatever you've entrusted to me. I'm going to use it for your glory and honor. And I'm going to tell you, there's not one person here today who hasn't got something that God can use. Did you know that? Let me say that again. There's not one person here today who doesn't have something that God can use. And I'm going to tell you this. Every one of you who does not use what God has given you, you are robbing the church. God needs what you've got. God needs your gift. He needs your skills. He needs your brains. He needs your heart. He needs your commitment. Because there's lives that need to be touched for God's glory. Josiah said, I, I'm a, I can do what I can do, and I'm going to do it with all my heart. I'm going to tell you this. You cannot grow spiritually. You cannot advance as a Christian if you are not serving. It's not enough, my friends, just to seek God. It's not enough just to do all the right things that please God. What you've got to do is you've got to serve God. You've got to say, God, I am not only going to keep your law and, and, and do what you've do what you ask me to do as a believer. But God, now I'm going to show up for service and I'm going to do, do the work of your kingdom. I'm going to partner with you, God. And so we're sending a team of young people to Mexico. They've been in training now for the past year, preparing. They got Manuel teaching them uh, Spanish or trying to teach them Spanish. And I think some of them have been learning it. But they're going down to Mexico to do ministry. Why are they doing it? Because they can. 
Because they're young, because they've got energy, because they were willing to make the effort. I want to ask you this morning, what are you willing to do for God? How are you willing to serve God? I'm going to tell you this. Nobody ever served God except out of a heart that desires to seek God and to satisfy God. Serving is always the the next step. Will you say, Pastor, I got... This is what I've got. Show me what I can do. I want to be used by God. Our young people have got something they want to show us right now. God bless you as they minister. On Wednesday, these young people head out. Felicia heads out. And I uh, understand that Wendy got back sa- safely and soundly. We'll be hearing from her probably next week. But uh, we want to we wanna pray for these folks as they prepare to go. Um, a reminder to you that immediately after the service, there's a barbecue. And we're, the suggested donation is $10 if you can. If not, uh, whatever you can is fine. But uh, let's join them and uh, wish them well. Eat lunch with them. And you can go take a look at the bus, which is all ready to go. We're going to pray that God blesses that that bus and keeps it safe. Amen. Uh, I'm going to ask the elders to come, please, and uh, join me in praying for this group of young people. Amen. Elders here, come on up here, guys. And... uh, I don't know exactly how we're going to do this. Quite a few. Tim, do you want to put that music on, please? Why don't, yeah, why don't everybody hold hands? Can you do that? And guys, why don't you two on this side, maybe? and Maybe some of you want to just reach your hands out to, to our young people. And let's just pray that God would, would bless them richly. Father, we thank you for these young Josiahs. They're young, but what a difference they can make. We pray, God, that as they go down to Mexico, that you would give them a a new vision for making a difference in this world. That they come back supercharged, ready, Lord, to make a difference wherever they go and whatever they do. Whatever field that they find themselves in, whatever work they find themselves doing. At school, university in this church, in this community. Make them a blessing, O God. Use them mightily. And we know, God, from the numerous examples in the Scripture, that when young people 
get fired up by the Spirit of God. Nothing is impossible for them. And God, we pray that they would know just a supernatural empowering by your Spirit. Strengthen them, O God. Empower them for service. Use them, O God. Keep them safe. We pray, O God, that your hand of protection would be on that bus. We pray, Lord, that your angels would just be encamped around that bus all the way there and all the way back. Father, we thank you today that we can entrust them to you and and that you will use them and bring glory to your name. And thank you for this church, Father, and for the way that they have gotten behind these missionaries, the way that this church has given so freely, Lord, to make these dreams come true, not just for our kids, but those kids in Mexico. Oh, God, there is, when we ask the question, why? Why isn't more being done? There is no good answer except that that we're lazy and we're self-centered here in North America. God, touch us, we pray. Help us to become truly Christ-like. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that your hand is upon us. We thank you, O oh God, your hand is upon them. Watch between the, between us, Lord, as we are separated from each other these next two weeks. We'll just give you glory and honor and praise because you're worthy of it. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you. Would you stand with me, please? Blessed be the name of the Lord.